pursuit of speed is an obsession among trading groups, so they build shitty, untested algorithms. They crash and react and get infected with worms. They course with the force of the blood of the hounds in them, taking advantage of minuscule discrepancies in prices that exist for a few microseconds is nice, but I wish they were cops on the beat. Need more metaphors, fine, it's like playing a team whose coach got to hire the goddamn referee. Goddamn referee. You can watch them write rules like they're not even trying to lie anymore Betting pools with no risk for the clean corridor of the 51st floor And I ripped off that shit cause I've learned from the formula Good men will borrow and great men will steal Don't you dare be the sap that pays the world back You can take a joyride on the social contract of the good men will borrow and great men will steal Gotta be a good businessman, even your taxes, you earned it yourself better Damn, keep the last of it. Found a way to invest where the risk is a call to our congressmen. Tell them it wasn't our fault, cause we followed the law to the letter. Should've been someone in office who'd have written it better. But no, you can't, cause every election is just round the corner. You've got signs on the streets, but the signs that I've seen from their office, it seems that they work for their donors and you can't afford it. So how many homes you got? How many votes you want? How many Anglos can fit in a melting pot? Or you can watch them write rules like they're not even trying to lie anymore. Betting pools with no risk for the clean corridor from the 51st floor. And I ripped off that shit cause I've learned from the formula. Good men will borrow and great men will steal. Don't you dare be the sap that pays the world back. You can take a joyride on the social contract. Good men will borrow and great men will steal. Gotta be a good businessman. Haven your taxes. You earned it yourself better. Damn it, the last of it. Welcome to Down Ballot. We do the show live every Sunday at 7.30 p.m. Pacific. We had a bit of a technical issue, and it seems to have been on my end. Rare as it may be, but um, perfectly understandable and no problem at all. I, I, don't, I think we're just uh, you know, picking up the stragglers anyway. Most of our crowd is late arriving. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think maybe <clears throat> maybe this audio interface over here is seen better days. Um, it wouldn't mm. be the first piece of equipment that failed in the last seven days, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had to replace a whole ass preamp the uh, on Saturday. 
Oh, snap. <laughs> yeah, I bought it. I have a I now have a Focusrite uh generation three Octopre running this mic instead of a generation two. Uh, I had to go to Guitar Center to buy it. And I had the to, Guitar Center? Like I, had to the I paid place? I paid basically list for it because I like needed it now. That's that's what happens, unfortunately. Well, um, did did at least the two die of uh, an honorable death? I don't know. It just stopped fucking out sending audio. It would like pass. <laughs> it would it would like pass audio through to the um to like you know like uh, the way a preamp works is it'll th this preamp it'll either pass the audio through to an output on the back so that you can plug it into something else via cable or it passes it via uh, optical like spit of cable mm, and it okay. just wouldn't give it like I figured it out. There was no light coming from the optical output. I see. So that, well, that part died. Um, I don't bang, know. I'll get, I'll get like, I don't know, $150, $200 back from it broken though. Cause it's a component that somebody can fix. But I also think maybe this, uh, little focus, right? Two, I two, I have over here. That's like eight years old is uh, dying. Cause I had to like wiggle the USB on the back to get it to like recognize the computer, but whatever. On it. This is, this is what, <laughs> this is what happens when you build a fucking spaceship that you don't need. It's very true. So everybody can support us at, speaking of all that, you can support us at patreon.com slash echoplex. You can throw bits here at Twitch, twitch.tv slash echoplex media. If you're listening to the podcast, make sure you uh, follow us on Twitch. It's twitch.tv slash echoplex media. You could find interesting people in the chat. You could find um, me. You could find, uh, I think, Professor QAnon's up in here, uh, 16 Tones. Huck R's is in the chat. Also, sometimes you see the councilman up there during the show. Uh, HK, aka, aka Selfweed, hangs out there. Also, the media winch will hang out there sometimes when she's not on the show. Plus, all of the now space. All the friends. All the friends. So, this is actually a show with stories. Um, do we, what's, what's going on with our first story here? Well, leading off tonight, uh, it, as we all know, uh, local municipalities and many municipalities are requiring that their uh, employees get fully vaccinated in order to serve, you know, the public. Uh, so public agencies like city of San Jose, San Francisco, and others have, uh, have required their employees to get vaccinated or face consequences in some cities. It's termination. Um, but in many, many cities, it's a unpaid leave of absence until you get that shit figured out. Um, and they're offering exemptions, um, for mostly medical reasons. Um, they've denied a few exemptions too, but anyway, uh, it looks as though San Francisco is doing quite well in terms of getting their public employees vaccinated. And we're going to learn more about it in this story. San Francisco issued a vaccine mandate for its 35,000 employees in June. By August, more than 100 firefighters had submitted a letter to Human Resources, refusing to get the shot unless the city met a long list of demands. Now, nearly six months later, Fire Chief Janine Nicholson says most of her 1,700 members are vaccinated. And there are less than 20 who um, have chosen um, not to be vaccinated. So yeah, we're in a good place. The firefighters union president says the city put those unvaccinated members on unpaid leave this month. Union leaders say they have filed a lawsuit aiming to have the city allow them to collect accrued sick leave and vacation time while the city attorney's office considers exemptions and accommodation. While that process plays out, the department is working to reduce a staffing shortage intensified by the pandemic. The chief says COVID limits the numbers of recruits allowed in academy classes. And we have mandatory overtime right now, so our folks are working really hard. Um, but, you know, we have a class graduating in December. We have another class starting in January. 
for our firefighters. Overall, the San Francisco Department of Human Resources says 98.2% of all employees are now vaccinated. In San Francisco, Gene Ellie, NBC Bay Area News. That's a pretty good percentage, I would say. Um, it's better than the city at large, but also like most of those people like are going to be like sort of civic minded because they decided to go work for the city or in this. I think it's the city and county of SF in this case, uh -huh. right? Yeah, hundred percent. I I think that uh, more than likely the majority of the whatever it was one point eight percent that's not um, are probably in those public safety the unions. Honestly, the POA, the the firefighters union, they tend to be the most conservative um, folks as far as rank and file goes, um, and public employees go. Um, not necessarily your you know your uh, public works procurement analyst two position, right? They're, they're the more, uh, I think, like you said, uh, service aligned folks who are going to be getting that lining up to get that vaccine right away. Um, so I imagine a majority of those, uh, that small percentage are, are in that, in that realm. Don't hate the cops, but they should get vaccinated. So un unvaccinated, unbowed, unpaid. That's pretty much what the, how it breaks down right now. You know, a lot of people, especially not not especially a lot of people, we call them anti-vaxxers were claiming that everybody was going to lose all their city workers, all their firefighters. And it seems mm -hmm. like across and this is, mind you, this is going to be different in the big cities. I think there's just more broadly, the big cities are going to have a larger vaccination rate, a higher vaccination rate due to uh, things ranging from culture and the understanding that a virus really, really, really likes population density. Very much so. Very much so. And uh, it, it absolutely loves unvaccinated density, too, and an unprotected density. Um, but it's not it's not at all surprising. What's what is surprising is not that the conspiracy theorists and our unvaccinated our anti-vax crowd are out there, you know, screaming, holy, you know, bloody murder. It's that, you know, union presidents like the president of the POA was out there threatening that like, oh, we're going to see a mass exodus of police officers. Your city's not going to be safe if you implement this mandate. Right. Like using that as leverage again and didn't work. Um, and it turns out it looks like most of their rank and file, you know, want to get the vax anyway, um, or at least are going to get it to avoid the consequences. Um, so, yeah, much ado about nothing. But it's it's more sad that I think that the, the public employees themselves were threatening that. Because um, aren't, aren't we all supposed to be in this together? Anyway, well, I think the other thing is more time passes, right? People, the people who were like legitimately concerned, maybe because they didn't have the information they needed or they yeah. just were afraid of novelty, possibly yeah. because they thought it was a they think it's newer than it is, even though this mRNA technology, the vax, the vaccine technology had been we've been working on it for we the big we have been working on mRNA vaccine technology for quite some time. They're quite a yeah. uh, there's a quite a, so long that quite a few hucksters are claiming they invented it and they can't all have invented it so <laughs> well most of them don't even know how it works um but that that said yes absolutely i think that more information is out there i think we're you know we're seeing the numbers go up in a lot of different demographics and um uh, I, I don't know that we'll ever get to 100 percent, but um we're getting close at least here I, I do like the numbers at least around here so i feel a lot safer in the bay area than i would maybe in you know mississippi you know, 98.2 is about as close to 100% as you're going to get, honestly. I mean, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking with the exemptions, especially, I, I, I figure the exemptions make up the most, you know, most of that 1.8%. So you're, you're <laughs> dealing with a very small percentage, I think, of resistors. And I hear them every day, like, or every week, um, or every other week when the county has their board of supervisors meeting and I tune in because, you know, I'm in the same house as the good wife. And this one lady, it's one lady, swear to God, who got shit canned because um, she refused to get the vaccine um, and she is an anti-vaxxer um, and calls in every week 
gives her two minutes of public comment bitching about how she got fired for not getting the vaccine. Um, so she has a lot of free time to call into public meetings now. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I just think as more time passes and we're not seeing the 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 <clears throat> people getting ill or whatever as the alarmists would have had you believe. I think those who were truly on the fence and aren't like ideologically against vaccines are just like, well, fuck it, I'll go get it because I like my job. Right. I like the benefits and I'm getting pressure from uh, the bosses and it's just not worth it. And it seems yeah. like it's safe. And yeah, that's good. I guess <clears throat> job, job security in the public sector is um, very uh, good leverage, frankly. Um, you know, it's not as though the salary, the salary is usually not the best maybe, but the benefits, the insurance, the, the longer term, the, the pension, the longer term benefits are, that's really why you take the job. Right. Um, for that or, kind of security. or if you know if you're a civil engineer you just don't have you know you don't have a lot of options so there's not a lot of civil engineering happening outside of civil life civic life right but the civil engineers are probably the kind of people who are the first in line to get the fucking thing anyway you know oh for sure they're si they're practically scientists yeah yeah well as a uh, as people say engineering is the application of science there you go there you go so well, that's a so we're going to move That's on into one. winners and losers. Um, we're going to have to do a little bit of lightning round status here because we uh, did miss 10 minutes and we kind of run it a little, little tight on Tuesday. Uh, in winners and losers, our first story is San Jose's police state gets a boost from holiday thievery. Oh, yeah. no. Well, the, the smash and grabs, you know, at Lululemon and Banana Republic and all the, the hot spots, you know, it gives an opportunity for white bootlicking elected officials to stand up and defend white bootlicking residents and, and blonde Bambies literally from Almaden who were worried about, you know, their shopping experience being disrupted by this. Um, and they, they use this as an opportunity much like gun advocates or, uh, uh, gun control advocates try to use the wake of mass shootings to leverage, you know, better gun policy and always fail. Um, in this regard, this is sort of the reverse where, People who prefer a police state are going to use this as an these kind of events as an opportunity to scare people into accepting more than they normally would when it comes to a, a oversight. And oversight. I would just tell you that um, a police state—it's counterintuitive, but a police state loves guns. Oh, absolutely. And uh, maybe, maybe they have them. We don't have time. We don't have time to get into the reasons why, but let me tell you: a police state loves a heavily armed right-wing populace. Correct, because they'll, they'll be there to back them up. Uh, but anyway, here's a story about what San Jose, some leaders in San Jose are talking about doing or, or actually moving forward because it got through the council uh, last week. In the South Bay, the San Jose City Council has approved a plan to spend $250,000 of COVID relief funds on license plate readers. Mayor Sam Licardo says the readers are an important tool to track down suspects. Well, we know that license plate readers in cities throughout the country are being used effectively. Uh, to address investigative needs and chasing down suspects, for example, in drive-by shootings and auto thefts, or as we've been seeing recently, uh, these mob robberies and burglaries of retail stores. The mayor added that the use will be restricted to felonies and there will be strict privacy restrictions attached. Sure there will. Yeah, that's, I want to know what he's spoken Sam Licardo, I'm running for I'm running for Congress. Uh, yeah. So, what do you think about that? I don't know. The fucking Scientology can have him soak in the city of San Jose. I guess, like, 
do you think it'll be productive? No. Right. To me, it's 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 problematic, obviously, um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, accuracy, who holds access to the information, um, you know, just a variety of problems that could result from that. Uh, much like you know, photo radar and all these other sort of absent-minded police state things. I actually prefer police to be you know making those stops themselves rather than all this other malfeasance that they're up to. Um, so uh, yeah, but it should, uh, just another way to smugly you know squeeze a little bit more out of us in terms of our privacy and and uh and our uh, you know our sense of autonomy to some extent yeah i think it's like i don't know i think it's like not that big a deal because i don't drive but uh <laughs> right i don't I'm not, know it's it, it, i'm in same boat i mean i'm also not going to be one of the i'm not going to be caught up hopefully i'm not going to the mall anytime soon right and i'm not going to get caught up in one of these uh you know, mass robbery incidents, right? And have accidentally have my car scanned. Uh, that being said, it's more just to me, it's a principle. It's just, it's just another step, right? And what's the next step? What's the next line? What's the next line? What's the next thing they're going to propose? Um, that takes us a step backwards instead of a step forward. Definitely. Anywho, anywho um, moving right along. Yeah. This round. next story, this next story, me and uh, me and the good wife were fucking dunking on people on Twitter. <laughs> this, oh yeah. So this is a story where it's called no badge, no, no badge, no gun, no service, and we're just going to let it ride. We do have a follow-up now to a story we first told you about last night. A San Francisco restaurant is apologizing after its staff refused to serve three uniformed police officers. The North Beach restaurant, Hilda and Jesse, asked the officers to leave because the staff felt uncomfortable by the presence of their weapons. It led to swift backlash on Yelp and other social media. Co-owners are now calling it an unfortunate incident and mistake. In a statement they posted on Instagram, it reads in part, quote, we are grateful to all members of the force who work hard to keep us safe, especially during these challenging times. We hope this will be a teachable moment for us as we repair and continue to build bridges with the SFPD. So um, we're going to skip the next story on our docket because it's basically the same story. But when this first yeah. dropped, like people on Twitter were trying to say that it was illegal to do that. And I like I like got into it with a couple people because I was like, hey, you know, I was like, you know, they they can tell the cops to leave. I'm like, especially because they're cops. Yeah, no, uh, they do have right to refuse anyone's service. They're, they're well, a business. And, and uniformed cops, if they don't have a warrant, they have no right to be on the fucking property anyway. Like, correct, unless yeah, there was like, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just like, just and like I, was tr else. I was trying to educate people. I'm like, you can do the same thing. If the cops come to your house, you could tell them to piss off if they don't have a warrant. Why can't this business do that? Correct. Yeah. They have no, they have no other right, no, no right beyond anyone else to be in your, on your property. If you haven't given permission or if a judge hasn't given them permission. So absolutely a hundred percent, they could do that. Um, it's just unfortunate that I, I feel like I'm the good wife and I are kind of bummed that they backed down. We were like, we're going to go to this place. We're going to eat all the food. We're going to tip really well, you know, what probably for these guys. Um, but now we're like, you're apologizing. No, 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 don't back down now. It's only been a day. Like at least hold out for more than 24 hours. Like, like see how it plays out. I think maybe, <clears throat> maybe, Maybe they got pressure from other city or county of San Francisco organizations going, oh, it would be a shame if we inspected you all the time or. Sure. You I, know. Could see, I could see that. Um, 
And they could have gotten threats, honestly, behind the scenes from, from straight up from cops. It wouldn't be surprising. I mean, we've seen police in Los Gatos go to the city council and rant against the city council, right? And and call um and and call out call them out uh, directly. Um, so it's it's happened everywhere else. So why why wouldn't you see the the threats come here? I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it was funny watching people lose their minds on Twitter. I had a lot. I have a lot of fun when people lose their minds over shit like this on Twitter. You're not allowed to do that. It's well, it's in the same vein as the vaccine mandates, right? There, no one's mandating that you get a vaccine. No one's taking you know forcing you to go get the vaccine. If you don't want to get the vaccine, don't get the vaccine. There are just organizations, entities, businesses, private businesses, public businesses, but businesses nonetheless that are you know. Uh, making certain requirements of their employees of people who you know participate and use their services um so that's their choice and it's your choice to use those services if you don't if you don't want to you don't you don't have to you don't have to work for the city of san jose you don't have to get your services from them either you can go off the grid if you want to um and why aren't you already if you're refusing the vaccine you're obviously uh, in that kind of mold so you know maybe you should maybe you should go off the grid the the other thing in chat's bringing this up is that hey you know if people feel intimidated by the mere presence of the cops, maybe that's a cop problem and the cops need to think about that a little bit. Right. Um, I, I admit I get uncomfortable just being around uniform cops with their guns, you know, exposed and the ammo sitting there on their belt and their little, their little utility belt. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, I think about that all the time. That's the only thing I can think about when a cop's in the room, honestly, a uniform cop. I'm looking at the gun <laughs> uh, and thinking about the damage that shit could do. Um, and it, what's this, what's going through that cop's head right now? You know, I, uh, I, I run into the cops a lot at seven 11 and they try to say hi and I just froze them out. I'm just like, Pfft. like, don't talk to them. Yeah, like, please don't, not, plus it's just, if, if, if there's no reason for you to ever call the cops, unless you were in the unfor- unfortunate position of having had to call them. Otherwise don't tell them shit. Right. You'll never meet a defense lawyer that's like, oh boy, am I glad my client talked to the cops. I'm only that person's lawyer because they decided to talk to the cops. Yippee. <laughs> yeah, just be glad. Most of us should just be glad we almost never have to have an interaction with a cop, right? Like, uh, it would not be the same if I were, uh, you know, a, a different color um, or a different or, neighborhood. Me, or a different like, neighborhood. Y- you and me, yeah. especially, it's very neighborhood. Yeah, very, very much, much so. where we live means that our interactions with the cops are not going to be <clears throat> it'll be like a group of me and my friends walking home from the avenue drunk and having the cops roll down their window to laugh at us <laughs> <laughs> i can i can absolutely say that the the only times that uh i have had interactions with cops um out, outside of maybe a handful and one we've talked about extensively on this show um you know i, I have brought it on myself uh so it's not as though um, the cops have gone out of their way to harass the white dude. I've definitely made, made, <laughs> I've, I've caused them to take a, take a umbrance with me. Yeah. My last experience with a cop was I was riding at night and the cop slowed down, got next to me, said, Hey, I see there's a rear light on your bike. It's not on. Turn that light on. And then just drove off. I was like, all right, <laughs> dude, fuck you. <laughs> umbridge, umbridge. Yeah, I, no, I was driving. I was I, driving like twenty miles over the speed limit. I think it was the last time. Yeah, I don't know what the rules are, but like, fucking, like, come on, come on, come on. Got to have those lights working. So we're gonna we're gonna uh, catch up on a story we've been covering a little bit. There was a Los Gatos party house, and that seems fine. It's like a ritzy area, right? You'd be like, oh, I'd like to be invited to a party there. Nope. Uh, 
full ass, full ass grown adult mother was hosting drug and alcohol parties for minors there for mm-hmm. a long time. Mm-hmm. And it appears that, uh, the, it's not the Los Gatos police. It's the, what are they? Monte Sereno sheriff's department up there or something. Oh no, they have their own. It's the Los Gatos Monte Sereno police department. They oh, gotcha. have a joint, they have a joint police department. <laughs> Well, it seems like the, the law enforcement knew about this, but didn't do anything about it. Probably because like the captain of the football team or something hung out there. And that was one of the cops kids. That's a good bet. <laughs> Let's see what happened. That's how long it took for authorities to arrest Los Gatos mom, Shannon O'Connor. The question is why? O'Connor is accused of throwing those alcohol-fueled sex parties for underage teens. Our investigative unit has learned that the town's high school received complaints about her for months. But O'Connor wasn't arrested until she moved out of state. Investigative reporter Candace Wen first broke this story yesterday. She joins us now. So is this a case that the ball was dropped or is this how long it takes? We're hearing uh, both sides, Jess, depending on who you ask. O'Connor is now facing 39 criminal charges, and most of those incidents occurred after the high school received the first complaint and sent it to police. Internal emails we've exclusively obtained show at least one parent demanding the school and police act faster. From the first parent's allegation about Shannon O'Connor to Los Gatos High School in December 2020, 10 months went by before she was arrested in October of this year. During that time, prosecutors say O'Connor put more underage teens in danger, resulting in dozens of criminal charges. Then she moved to Idaho. Authorities say when they arrested her there, they found her with 10 underage boys and two underage girls in the home where she was staying. Internal Los Gatos High School emails obtained exclusively by the investigative unit reveal the parent who sent this complaint in February told the school Shannon has faced zero consequences from Los Gatos High and the local police. I think at first blush, it's very difficult to understand maybe why this case took so long. Rachel Frost is a 20-year law enforcement veteran who now trains schools on how to protect students. But when you're looking at the number of students that are involved, the number of moving parts, et cetera, for law enforcement, you have to have evidence. You can't just take it on uh, the individuals, any individual complainants word that this is what occurred. Emails show some of the challenges police faced. In September, a different parent emailed the school's new principal, angry their child was removed from his history class for a meeting with police regarding the Shannon situation without their permission. The principal responded, it appears that this did not follow the school's practice and that he's working to ensure it doesn't happen again. And you've got a lot of teenagers who may not have wanted to dime off the person who's providing them the opportunity to drink, the opportunity to hang out. Los Gatos High School told the investigative unit it did not hesitate to forward complaints to police. In a statement Friday, the Los Gatos Montesoreno Police Department said, detectives actively pursued available investigative leads, collected evidence. This information was important to the corroboration of facts and filing of criminal charges against Ms. O'Connor. The parent behind the February complaint tells us she feels the school and police failed. She wrote in her initial report, this has gone on too long and too many children have been hurt, not just my 14-year-old girl. Currently, O'Connor is in custody. We've reached out to her and her attorney but have not heard back. She is expected to enter a plea at her next court hearing in about two weeks. Candace Wen, NBC Bay Area News. All right, thank you very much, Candace. Wait a minute. I've had the cops show up when none of this was happening at a party just because there was a party. And I'm not talking about at this apartment. I'm talking at single family homes, even in Los Gatos. 
So you'd think that as soon as the cops got wind of this, it would be easy enough to just fucking show up when there's a party. Yes. Uh, one would think that. Um, one would think that once, I mean, if you start hearing complaints from parents and Los Gatos too. I mean, you'd imagine they'd be pretty finely, tu finely tuned and ready to jump into action and not sit on it for very long. Um, and it seems like it was pretty obvious. I mean, it wasn't as though these were small gatherings, right? And the word was getting around. People knew they were getting this from multiple locations. It looks like so. I, yeah, I, I don't understand why something wasn't done to to put the kibosh on it long before. And there's the, the this. Uh, this best practices of well uh you know we have to we can't just take one right one complaint and and run with it we have to get corroborating evidence and we have to get up you know get all the facts you know again different neighborhood different people and the cops show up on a whim right like on a phone call a random anonymous phone call and they show up at some place and some guy ends up choked out in the street dead you know um so uh, <laughs> that's it, 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 again only in Los Gatos, right? This shit would have been broke. This shit would have been busted down if it was on the east side in San Jose, or if it was even just open. in my neighborhood. Yeah, it would be it'd be shut down right away. Um, I think there's more to this. I think, <clears throat> I think you know something along the lines of the fucking captain of the football team was there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's gonna. It's one of those. It's not that specifically, maybe, but it's one of those kind of things. Uh, she was friends with other parents, maybe, who didn't mind that their kids were there, and their kids were their parents. You know, new people. I, there's a lot of fucking money sloshing around and a lot of influence peddling going on in that little town. Absolutely, it could have been anyone's kid, right? It could have been a congressperson's kid. It could have been, you know, a tech mogul. You know, um, tech bro. Right, PC, even right, someone with a lot of money. Yeah, some powers. some like tech money could add something to do with it. Not that like that. Sh I don't know if her money's tech money, but somebody's some rich tech person's kid might have been there and did, was like didn't want that like getting all like up 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 in the, their kid's business or whatever because of their future. Well, this is another space where I'm starting to think now motive. Right. So, what's her what's her deal? Right. Is she just a perv? Or does she, does she like to watch? Or does, you know, is she getting some money from someone to, to set this shit up, right? Yeah, from I... The kids, from the kids, I don't know, but uh, somewhere, right? So someone's getting paid, right? Probably, because they're, like I said, there's a lot of money sloshing around in Los Gatos. I think we're going to learn more. Or we're never going to hear about this again. <laughs> right. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know, man. She got picked up in Boise with, you know, what, 10 more kids living living in the house so maybe she, she's got she, she might have a thing it could be a thing but there I, could be I, a whole I, thing she there, there, this could be this could be like the tip of some iceberg or this could just be some wacky lady who liked to throw sex parties and like decided to just do them do it for her kids instead of herself i mean it could be anything anything from like a like a trafficking situation to just some wackadoodle well i'm not much of a conspiracy theorist but you know I, i'm gonna lean towards the the former there but we'll see what happens. I think you're right. There is more to this story. And we'll find out more. We're going to um, find out a little bit more right now. Yeah, why not? Grooming young girls for her son and his football friends. That is one. Oh, shit. I oh, called snap. that shit. <laughs> uh, listen, man. Fucking, I called that shit. Wait, 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 wait for it. There we go. Good job. <laughs> 
job. Uh, I have another one too. I've 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 one. Um, you have a oh you have a sound we have the soundboard still. Uh, fuck yeah, here we go. Ding 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 ding. There it is. <laughs> allegations made by concerned parents against the Los Gatos mom accused of throwing those booze-filled sex parties for South Bay kids. It's a story you'll see Booze-filled. on the area tonight. Our investigative reporter, Candace Wynn, joins us now. And Candace, I know you got some internal emails revealing some of the first allegations about Shannon O'Connor. That's right, Jess. The emails we obtained through public records requests reveal at least two parents warned Los Gatos High School about Shannon O'Connor as far back as a year ago. The school reported the accusations to police, but according to prosecutors, O'Connor continued to put more children in danger for months. The first complaint about Shannon O'Connor to Los Gatos High School came from a parent in December 2020, according to internal school emails obtained exclusively by the investigative unit. Shannon Bruga, or O'Connor, buys alcohol for teenagers. My daughter overdosed on edibles. Then interim principal Paul Robinson responded the same day. We will follow up on this and inform the police. Two months later, February 17th, a different parent sent an assistant principal a detailed multi-page email saying she had just filed a police report alleging criminal contact by O'Connor with her child and at least five other 14-year-old girls, as well as at least one Fisher Middle School student. The parent said O'Connor groomed, befriended, and influenced these girls, procuring them for her son and his friends, mostly Los Gatos High School football players. Shortly after, Uh, Robinson changed a female student's schedule so she could avoid two male students. He told his staff, this is another one of those out-of-school things that everyone expects us to discipline for. Robinson emailed a police officer saying, most of this is for the police department to deal with. This has gotten way out of hand. I think school officials are, are, are well within reason to say, you know, we referred this to police because it's a police matter. It was happening outside of school control. Brett Sokolow is the president of Atixia, the association of Title IX administrators. Title IX is a law prohibiting sex discrimination at federally funded schools. Could the school have, have done more? Um, you know, it, it, when these things blow up, they're always bigger in retrospect than they appear to be at the time. It was, according to the parent behind the latest report. On March 18th, the parent told the school about O'Connor allowing an underage teen to drive her SUV on school property. A boy allegedly fell off the car, hit his head, and was vomiting for days with a concussion. Principal Robinson responded to his staff, Police are already involved in the complaint. Their detectives have this case. Robinson's own chief of student support services appears to correct him, saying, No, this is our own internal processes regarding claims of code conduct violations. Robinson is no longer interim principal of Los Gatos High. July, <laughs> Kevin Buchanan took the job. When Shannon O'Connor was arrested in October, Buchanan responded to an inquiring parent, I was unaware of the entire situation until today. These schools are, are really fighting a, a battle on two fronts right now, right? There are a lot of parents who want schools to back out of parental responsibilities. The same parents turn around and and say to the school, why aren't you dealing with this? And and the school says, well, it's outside of our boundaries. It's outside of our jurisdiction. 
O'Connor is facing 39 felony and misdemeanor charges, including child endangerment and sexual battery. Not all of the allegations in these emails are part of those charges. She has yet to enter a plea in court and has not responded to our attempts to reach her. Uh, Candace, six months is a long time between when that first parent complaint came in to when O'Connor was arrested. Isn't there concern for what happened in between? Absolutely, there is concern, Jess. During that time, prosecutors say O'Connor endangered children at least two more times. We reached out to the DA's office. The DA's office told me today it took all summer and fall for police officers to interview everyone, get enough evidence for it so they can prove it in court. And Jess, I do want to add, just minutes ago, I re received a statement from Los Gatos High School saying that they never hesitated to report these issues to police. Okay. Candace, thank you very much. I'm sure we'll keep on following this. As will we. As will we. Uh, well, so ding, ding, in, ding. Very nice call. In the first clip, um, they mentioned that the police came and questioned someone at the school. Um, uh, police probably do that all the time, but the school mm -hmm. should, I think it's incumbent upon the school, if not the police department, to immediately inform the parents. In fact, I don't think, I'm not sure if it's, I'm not sure if it's illegal. I don't, yeah, I don't because if it's if somebody's under 18, I think that they have, they have the right to have their parents there during questioning, and then the parents would be who, who the ones who would invoke the right to counsel. That sounds about right. I mean, that yeah, every uh, every minor's entitled to that. They can answer for themselves if they want to, but they'd have to know that they can say, "Okay, stop. I want my parents here." Right. Um, or my parents should be here or a counselor or like mm -hmm. somebody there representing the, that the interest of the minor. Cause the cops yeah. may very well be there trying to, you know, the minor may be a victim or whatever, but if they're being questioned about a party, they're probably going to be hesitant to tell the police anything. Cause maybe they were engaged in underage drinking and they <clears throat> having someone there to represent them is probably good for everybody anyway. Cause that kid was drinking like Jägermeister. Cause honestly who drinks Jägermeister, but kids <laughs> like, they're not going to say shit, but if there's a lawyer there or their parents are there, they go, no, 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 they're not here to bust you. They're trying to find out what the, what happened. You're going to be in big trouble if you don't tell the, you don't say what you know. And if you end up, you know, and if you end up, you know, being arrested for underage drinking, we have your back. We'll absolutely. Yeah. But <clears throat> that's, that's sketch. They shouldn't have done that. But also like, I'm yeah. Like we were saying before, dude, if this wouldn't have been in Los Gatos, and I was right about that football team shit. Oh, yeah, very much so. They, yeah, they would have busted this shit up ages ago. Um, but, yeah, it also takes, you know, in those kind of situations, though, it, uh, just stepping back a second, it does take the kid knowing that they have those rights, too, right? The cops are just going to take a bit, every advantage they can get, just like anyone else would, right? Um, <laughs> well, at least in their position, I don't know. Um, but uh, they're going to take every advantage they can get, so the kid has to know his rights or her rights, and uh, they have to make sure that they you know they stand up for them uh, themselves um and oftentimes they just don't know they have those rights um and the cops aren't going to be helping them out by telling them you know who the fuck would know what those kids rights are a good guidance counselor oh show but guess what we don't really fund guidance counselors anymore we barely fund teachers uh, and right. we definitely don't fund enough guidance counselors i think i think if it's not the case i think that like either the parent or like a school guidance counselor absolutely should have to be there if the police are questioning a student. Well, 100%. It should be policy. If I don't believe it, it is necessarily. It depends on the district or the school. But um, 
mostly the district. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it should be policy. Absolutely. Yeah. Just say, Hey, you know, um, we're not letting you question our student until they, uh, until the parents are here or until we confirm that the parents don't care and we're, or, you know, I don't know if this is a minor, I think, I think there might be some laws about this shit. I'm not sure. Um, and that's it, like, that's a, you know, it's like, Oh, we wish the good wife was here, but that's like a specific piece of law too. Not every, not every person with a law degree is going to know that specific thing. You know? Well, like the guy said, uh, the, the one talking head did say, Mr. Sokolow, um, that, you know, school districts are in a tight spot and schools are in a tight spot too, because it's a legal matter and the school district and the school has no ju legal jurisdiction in cases like that. Right. It's, it's really, it, the, it's the cop's turf, right? It just so happens that it happened on campus. Right. But that's the only reason why the school's involved in the first place at all. Right. If they, if it didn't happen, if it happened across the street, the school wouldn't technically be involved at all more than likely. Well, um, I mean, it didn't happen at the school. The cop just knew where to find the kid at the school. Correct. So that's yeah. like, but that's like that's like why it's shitty is because the kid has to be at school whereas if they go to the right. kid's home you know the kid can go oh, you don't have a warrant get out of here or so the parent can be like hey what's going on if the kid's yeah, a minor yeah, yeah, there's, there are 18 there, this could also just be somebody who happened to be 18 years old and was a high school student like a senior and then it, right. then things probably get way fuzzier right well it's, it's um, what i'm saying is there is no the, the school district is it's not their jurisdiction so if there was a, if there are laws or policies it's the state or it's the, you know, the, the municipality or whoever oversees the, the public safety jurisdiction, you know, the sheriff or the, the police department that's there. The school has nothing to do with it. Um, the school wouldn't have anything to do with it. And yet everyone's going to expect that the school has a policy or has something to do with it. And they don't. They really just they're just sort of the go between and the interrogations happening on their campus. Right. Or whatever it is. But it has nothing. to They have no they have no power um, to other than maybe offering the kid their rights, right? If they want to, want to, hey, do you want your parents here? Do you have? Do you want to get a lawyer? Or hey, the police? Yeah, I, I, the school at the bare minimum to. has to be like, hey, the police are here. Yeah, um, you have a right not, not to answer to. any of their questions. You have a right, right. to uh, your parents being present. You have a right to an attorney. Um, we can invoke those rights on your behalf. Right. Well, regardless, yeah, just it would be on, on them to make that choice. The school official administrator that is to to offer the student that or the cops could do that too, i think the fucking i not. think the school administrator should be like be like all right you know that's fine but we're not pulling this kid out of out of class until we have either their parents or an attorney here yeah they can make I, that. I hope they you don't mind waiting yeah we're not they, telling they can, you what class they're in they can absolutely make that choice i'm just saying that most districts have a policy that that dictates that I think they sh that should be the policy. In fact, I they think could. that should just be the the fucking law if the kid's under eighteen. Now, if the kid's Some stuck in high, if the kid's in high school and they just turned eighteen, that gets real muddy, and I don't want to, I want to go down that rabbit hole. That'd be an interesting thing. Like, it's not like a, probably not a fuzzy legal case, but it would be an interesting thing to talk about. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, <clears throat> we'll get into that some other time. One of the first local stories we ever covered on this whole network was the ghost ship, and it's been five years. Um. Real quick, anybody doesn't know about the ghost ship, you can first of all just look it up, ghost ship Oakland, but the um, there was a, a rave that was thrown at a place that was not a place you should throw a rave. It was like kind of a live workspace, and um, there was like furniture everywhere. The stairs were not uh, proper, so people were climbing up a, um, a uh, like basically a pallet to get up to the second floor. Um, there were tapestries, otherwise known as kindling, all over the walls. 
and uh, the whole place caught on fire because somebody, I guess, ran an extension cord like way too, way too far. And, you know, sound systems, if they're loud, they're pulling a lot of juice and they create a lot of heat. And uh, the big moral of the story here is if you're going to throw a rave, do it in an empty warehouse. So if your sound system catches on fire, there's no, there's nothing else around it to catch on fire. You can't really catch a, uh, a steel and concrete structure on fire. So don't throw your raves in a fucking wooden building with tapestries everywhere. But here's like the local news hit uh, about you know, basically a little bit of a retrospective of uh, you know five years after this, uh, un- I'm tr- I would say a tragic, not just unfortunate event. An emotional and difficult day for dozens of families. Five years ago today, the ghost ship warehouse fire in Oakland took 36 lives. This is what the building looks like today. Still there, just the shell though, the roof never replaced. The family that owns the building has filed for bankruptcy. The criminal case is now over. So what's next for the grieving families? Here's NBC Bay Area's Melissa Colorado. If Instagram is supposed to be a highlight reel of your life, this is a post David Gregory never wanted to write. The 20 year old looking into the distance is his daughter, Michaela the youngest of 36 victims in the ghost ship warehouse fire. The heartbroken father writes, Today marks the fifth anniversary of the last time I saw Michaela, the last time I hugged her, and the last time I said to her that I loved her. This is still very raw, very upsetting. Mary Alexander is the attorney who represented 34 families and some of the survivors in a civil lawsuit against the Ng family who owned the warehouse, where an underground party was held on the night of the deadly fire. The family was never criminally charged, but they agreed to file for bankruptcy early this year. We worked it out that their assets will be sold through the bankruptcy and the proceeds will go to the families. Alexander says the sale of at least four properties might raise up to $7 million. Earlier this year, master tenant Derek Almena was sentenced for his role in the fire, but avoided prison time and continues to serve out his sentence at home with an ankle monitor. Last year, the city of Oakland settled a civil lawsuit by agreeing to pay $33 million to victims' families and one survivor who was left with serious injuries. Alexander says money was never the ultimate goal for the families. It was always about accountability. There needs to be better oversight, inspections by the city. This building wasn't even on the Oakland list to inspect. This was a memorial concert for the victims last year, put on by the voices of Silicon Valley Choir. The choir is back again today with another tribute concert to highlight the 36 lives. We want to remember ghost ship artists for their creative work. We don't want to remember them for for the building that took their lives. In Oakland, Melissa Colorado, NBC Bay Area News. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if I was ever offered to play a gig there. I think I might have been. Um, there was, a, there was a, a spot that one of my friends warned me off of. They're like, hey, don't work with those promoters. They're using an unsafe location. And uh, mm. But yeah, um, <clears throat> I've thrown raves. Um, we've thrown raves where I think maybe we took risks we shouldn't have taken to make money. Um, but those risks didn't include Tinderbox. Those risks included too many people in this space, maybe. But these spaces were always... Like there might be tapestries on the wall, but behind the tapestry was fucking concrete. <laughs> so, Steel and concrete. And uh, 
so yeah, this is this is just bad all around. And um, I've been yeah. to some spaces that were a little less uh, suited, but I think the the promoters and the uh, events uh, planner and the like the space owners did a pretty good job of uh, making sure everything was was cool. I've never been to a place like this place had a broken staircase and I've never been to a place where there was a broken staircase where they're like, Oh, just get up. However you get up. And people were living there, right? Too. It was, yeah. to, uh, I mean, not for code, not to code obviously, but they were, there were, there were residences up in there. So, yeah. Um, That's why yeah. there were all the couches and tapestries and shit that ended up being the reason people couldn't get out. Right. Um, so yeah, as shit like this, you can get away with it only for so long and it's bound to bite somebody in the ass sooner or later unfortunate for the families all right so we're going to uh, move on to get your shit together because we're kind of up against it here um That's we don't have to we don't have to bash in the oakland pd too much tonight yeah yeah we'll, we'll do it we'll, i'm sure we'll talk shit about the oakland cops again another day be, we can we can pull that we can hold that for next week They're, it's going on right now actually yeah so um we're going moving on to get your shit together and i guess this is the whole bay area uh and that would be get your cats together exactly they got we got to get our shitting cats together COVID is causing shortages that no one saw coming. Yeah, and now you can add spay and neuter services to the list. KPI X-Files John Ramos reports maybe leading to a population explosion of feral cats. It doesn't really help to remove feral cats from an area because it just creates a vacuum and more of them will move in. What really works is a process called TNR for trap, neuter, and return. But the pandemic has made that effort a lot harder. Feral cats can be found anywhere, creek beds, alongside freeways, even behind supermarkets. And left alone, their breeding can grow exponentially. So you have a couple of cats that you leave unfixed, and in three or four years, there can be hundreds. So groups like Community Concern for Cats in Contra Costa County send out volunteers to trap the felines so they can be spayed or neutered. But President Gemma Boyd says there's a problem. The uh, vets on the outside, you know, regular practices have stopped doing this for rescue groups. They used to do a small percentage of their business for rescues to help with the cause. And they had to quit doing it because their businesses exploded. The rise in pet ownership during the pandemic increased the demand for vet care. And Dr. Kate Hurley at UC Davis says it's happening when there is a shortage of veterinary technicians. COVID just added to a system that was already very stressed. And then as a few people start burning out and be like, I can't do this anymore. Then for the people who's left, it gets more and more, you know, the workload gets more and more intense. And so it's easy to see how a vicious cycle gets going. Now, feral cat trappers like Monty Montavon have to wait to collect animals until he knows the neuter clinic has an opening. I try to trap it when I have a, a, an appointment so I can bring the cat in. And that always, doesn't always work out because uh, uh, you don't get the cat that night. You have an appointment for a Wednesday, you don't get that cat on Wednesday night. It doesn't show up for some reason or another. So you actually have to make the appointment before you ever trap the cat? Right, correct. And then you hope you can do it. Then you hope you can do it. The cat rescuers say the only immediate help is for people to get their own pets neutered so they're not adding to the feral population and the misery faced by having to live in the wild. In Contra Costa County, John Ramos, KPIX 5. And Dr. Hurley says she would like to see the veterinary establishment create a new class of technicians who would be trained solely to perform spay and neuter surgeries. Emergency spay and neuter in the field. So what happened, I guess, is that a lot of people bought a lot of animals, 
because they were stuck at home and they were bored or alone and they were like, okay, fine, we'll get a cat. And now like the, the vets are just overrun with, you know, probably not just spay and neutering, but like, you know, general things that people didn't take their animal to the vet for. And so there aren't enough spaces for the, to neuter the, the stray cats. Um, I like at the end how they said it, you know, the, the, the horrors of living outside. It's like, that's an animal, you idiot. It knows how to live outside. They've got fur. That's what the fur is for. Um, but don't worry, Monty Montavon, the veteran cat trapper is here to save the day along with the community concern for cats of Contra Costa County. The six C's. I don't, yeah, I, I don't think it's that big a deal that there's stray cats. I thought that was just a thing that cats, some cats were. It could just be a story that was on a, you know, a very slow news night or they had it in the can for a while or someone complained. Usually these stories come from one person complaining. There are a lot of feral cats. And so they looked into it and, and made a story out of like basically uh, nothing. They did their own research. They did their own research. Well, good for them. Good for them. Um, well, shall we move down ballot? Yeah, we should. What's what's our first story in uh, Down Ballot Recall Watch? Well, these sort of like have a, a, these two stories that we have here have a relation to each other. Um, so, like I said earlier, uh, when uh, the police state has an opportunity, they're going to take an inch and maybe take the mile too. Um, so, uh, Mayor Licardo in San Jose uh, has long had a bug up his butt about uh, bail reform and criminal justice reform and not wanting to let. Uh, arch criminals back on the street so that they can, you know, murder people in Almaden. Um, so as we've covered on this show before. Uh, so now he's uh, pretty much bitching about that again. So this sounds almost unbelievable. In Santa Clara County murder suspects are being released by judges on little or no bail. Critics say it's astonishing. Supporters say it's not that simple. As NBC Bay Area's Marianne Favreau explains, at least one of those murder suspects is now believed to have fled the country. Police are frustrated. They say they arrested a homicide suspect back in January. And now, because of a judge's decision, they have to search for him again. Oscar Soto allegedly killed a man in San Jose on January 10th. San Jose police arrested him the next day. Now police say they believe Soto has fled to Mexico because a judge released him on what's called SORP, Supervised Own Recognizance Program, essentially released without bail. We're furious. I mean, when you remove all accountability for bad behavior, all you're doing is emboldening criminals to go out and commit more crime. As we first told you yesterday, other murder suspects are now out of custody, too, including Efrain Anzuris. Court documents show Judge Philip Pennypacker put him on house arrest with a few restrictions, like submit to searches. His alleged accomplice, Alfred Castile, was also placed on supervised release. And Margarita Santalan, who is accused of killing a 13-year-old boy in San Jose is also out on SORP and a $100,000 bond. San Jose Mayor Sam Licardo says the victim's families and the community deserve better. I appreciate the need for bail reform, but the pendulum swung too far, and this is imperiling our communities. Uh, there's just no reason why a murder suspect should be released without bail on his own recognizance. The president of the San Jose Police Union says something needs to change. There needs to be accountability. Our legislators, groups like the ACLU that are supporting these types of measures and initiatives that are weakening uh, our communities, uh, they're not even making it less safe. They're making it outright dangerous. 
We reached out to the Northern California chapter of the ACLU, which is that terrorist organization. Efforts by police associations in San Jose and nationwide to link California's voter-approved justice reforms and pretrial justice measures to an alleged increase in crime are disingenuous and exploit crime victims and their families. In San Jose, Marianne Favreau, NBC Bay Area News. Now, the ACLU had a pretty good response. They're like, hey, the people voted for this, actually. Yeah, right. And people support it, um, just like they supported Chesa Boudin for DA in San Francisco because he wanted to do the reform. Um, and just because a couple people in the establishment are upset about the reform and they filed some signatures to get him recalled, don't mean that he should stop fighting for the reform. And he's not. Well, like, the other thing is, like, what's... They just showed people who are out on, uh, like their own recognizance or one of the people at a hundred thousand dollar bond and they just showed them like they're part of the same problem, but they seem, they didn't say that those people ran. Yeah. That, that's a great point. I was about to say they, they're apparently serving out their own recognizance program just fine. Um, even though they have scary pictures, just like the other guy. Right. Um, but yeah, no, they didn't decide to run. Um, so, Hey, what is that? Three out of four? Not bad. Well, it's just that it's just that like that's not the same thing and it's it's a little bit yeah. disingenuous i think yeah for the news to to sort of frame it like that that this is part of the same problem <clears throat> and i don't know the dude ran fucking people post bail and run too. rich people post bail and run all the time right when they didn't they didn't hammer home that point right they brought up the other accomplices and they showed their mug shots right to scare folks but they didn't emphasize the point these people are still in custody right these people are still in you know at in under house arrest they have not run right whereas the whole thing was about the one guy who did um who by the way hasn't necessarily committed a crime again he just ran off to mexico so we'll we'll see what happens there uh so but it's also these are some judge decisions too judge judges have discretionary powers um so it's not just some sort of policy you can come in and change right um and it's really not a policy that this uh, city mayor can can affect anyway. So that's why he just he goes out and does press conferences and talks about it because he can't control it any more than the police officers association president can control it. The so, judges want to do this. The judges want to do this. So is our friend Licardo going to run on like a like a progressive but tough on crime sort of platform when he tries to run for whatever you know maybe state 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 uh, state assembly or state senate. He's looking at Congress. He's looking higher than that now. I think he's waiting for uh, some retirements to happen. Um, but he's he's positioning himself on guns, on criminal justice reform, uh, a lot of national issue, national issues. Uh, so, and then of course trying to position himself as a tech leader, right? Uh, innovation leader. So yeah, he's 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 angling for Congress. Right, and it seems like he's trying to position himself as uh, you know uh, for gun control. Uh, and a moderate on um, this criminal justice reform. I don't know. I think he's going to get creamed if he tries to run for Congress. I think he won't. He won't be all able depend. to win his primary. All depends. I mean, he won't. He he's the mayor. Um, but so it all. But it all depends on the competition and the uh, how the race shapes up uh, in terms of where folks are at. He's he's very appealing on both sides. Our Republicans love him. He's a Democrat. Republicans can love. He's a. Uh, conservative enough democrat for like the moderates right the progressives will see right through him and already do but are they enough to you know overcome his kind of more broad appeal but it depends on the district it depends on who's running well, well who we'll has see. that seat now 
the one that he well, would... it, it's well, she, the, the seats are evolving too because the lines are being redrawn as we speak but right now it's still Lofgren who's in the seat so um but the district includes a lot of south county too so Mount morgan hill san martin um evergreen areas that aren't as white um as they as the city on the whole so uh we we could we should we, should, we shall see what happens we others shall. have been others have been rumored to run so other big names are going to jump into that race no matter what so a congressional seat in a democratic safe zone is like gold because it has no term limit you can if you want that job you could have that job for as long as you want as long as you get elected the first time that is that is accurate <clears throat> so we have one more uh story here in uh down ballot slash recall watch and it's about you had mentioned chesa boudin uh apparently he uh the recall is on um, hopefully everybody gets out and votes no on that recall. And uh, he apparently spoke at an event and said he's working to fix a broken criminal justice system. Well, let's, San let's hear more. In battle district attorney hitting back at his critics today. Chasey Boudin says he is working to not only fix a broken criminal justice system, but also to hold criminals accountable. KV's Christian Captain joins us now live from San Francisco's Hall of Justice. And Christian, today's rally comes as Boudin faces that recall election coming up next year. Yeah, that's right. The DA is saying that his work is making the status quo uncomfortable, and he says that's part of the reason behind the recall effort. At a rally in San Francisco's Excelsior District, District Attorney Chase Boudin's supporters pushed back against the recall effort and the narrative that the DA is weak on crime, calling him a reformer. Many saying the criminal justice system as it stands now is broken and biased against the poor and people of color. We look forward to working more with DA Boudin to continue to reimagine the criminal legal system into one that gets to the root causes of crime while also seeing people as deserving of full dignity. We also partnered with the district attorney also speaking out, saying he's worked hard to reform the system, like taking legal action against corporations or law enforcement officers who break the law. He says those efforts have brought out detractors who are behind the recall effort. That is the kind of approach to public safety and to accountability and to inclusion of all of our communities that I am committed to during the remainder of my term. And it's precisely because of those policies that the San Francisco Republican Party has endorsed the recall against me. Recall organizers say the DA has proven ineffective and point to high-profile crimes that have plagued the city since he came into office. Quote, with each incident over the last two years, we become more resolute in the desire to see him out of office. His denial of reality with regards to the need to hold criminals accountable for their actions is a slap in the face to each and every victim. The DA is saying he's relying on police bringing him strong cases and that he'll ensure consequences for those who are caught committing crimes in the city. Across the country, about 98% of criminal cases plea out. It is the exceptional case that goes to trial. That's true in San Francisco. It always has been and always will be. It does not mean there's no consequences. Let's be very clear. My conviction rate for murders has gone up. And we also heard from the city's police officers association addressing Boudin and his supporters claim that the recall is a Republican-backed attempt to subvert the democratic process. The POA is saying in part, quote, they can keep repeating that tired narrative, but 83,000 citizens of San Francisco who signed the recall effort aren't Republicans. They are from all walks of life who are dissatisfied with the state of the city and the performance of the DA. We're live in San Francisco. Christian Kaftan, KTVU. Fox 2 News. Yeah, Christian, and a lot of that criticism comes from what we see in San Francisco, which is this revolving door. Uh, wondering if Chasey Boudin had anything to say about that, and also, you know, the, the questions about why so many repeat offenders are released again and again. 
Yeah, this was one of the questions that I did have for him. And he'd said that he is prosecuting the cases as best he can. He says, again, that he's relying on the police to bring him strong cases. He says that he stands on his record that if the police bring him strong cases, he will prosecute those cases and then he will uh, seek uh, whatever kinds of consequences are available to him. Uh, so this is the DA's uh, argument saying that he is doing his job and he's doing the best that he can right now with what he's getting in terms of cooperation from the police. And that'll be up for voters to decide next year during that recall. Christian, thank you. <sighs> he hasn't even yeah. been in the job very long. No, uh, and by the way, I uh, I don't know where the POA president gets off saying that 83,000 people who signed the petition aren't Republicans. Okay, I'm sure, a large chunk of them probably aren't. It is San Francisco, but a good chunk of them are more than likely just by the percentages um probably a higher percentage than most in that eighty-three thousand. uh so I, w I would even mention i guess there are probably about eighty-three thousand republicans in san francisco so it could have all been republicans you have no idea um unless you looked them all up in the voter file you just had their signatures and their addresses so um anyway yeah w we shall see what comes out of this but um this is what happens when you upset the apple cart the uh the apple vendor starts throwing Apple cores at you or something. Well, <clears throat> I mean, his <clears throat> his campaign was like, hey, we're going to go after people who hurt other people and we're mm -hmm. going to like back off on petty crime. And it seems like that's right. what he's doing. Absolutely. That's he's he's one of those rare politicians who is actually trying to fulfill his campaign promises. Um, and majority still, uh, I think agree with them. A majority are voting you know, of Californians and San Franciscans for sure are voting for these measures and these reform measures. So yeah, the, he, the winds of change in history are on his side. So this is going to be another question of just turnout. And since it's in June, it's in a, a it's in a even year too. Normally SF elections are in odd years. Um, you know, I think he has a great shot of beating it back because he'll have a, he'll have a better electorate, a larger electorate. I think more people turn out the safer he's going to be. Um, because the majority of people, like you said, support what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think the election was fairly close, but I think it that um, I think it's just you said it's going to come out to turn uh, to turn out. And I think there's going to be yeah. a large a large group of people who kind of don't give a fuck who aren't even going to vote. And so it's going to sure. be about are there more people who are angry about whatever this is than people who are like, hey, this is a great idea. And let's 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 keep trying it and see what happens. And that's yeah. That's going to be the uh, that's going to be the difference here. And I mean, elections always come out, come down to turnout. But this yes. one being like a municipal election that is a, you know, for a recall, that's like an election all by itself. It's literally, you know, you can't rely on the fact that there's a other elections going on that other people are voting. in. so it's literally just going to be who who gets their message out and get their people to the polls. Well, it, you can in a way in that it's just it's you're just going to have more people voting. And when you have uh, this argument gets made a lot. I mean, it's not really you're not doing anything to turn more people out necessarily than normally would. But you are getting more people who are going to be participating in that election voting. And they tend to be, you know, poor people, people of color, uh, progressives. Right. So people that will benefit Chase uh, um, having them in the electorate. So it's good to have it overlapping with a more statewide election. Oh, um, it's it's on, it's overlapping. Really? I thought it was all by itself. Yeah. It's in June. It'll be in June. So it'll be on the, it'll be on the ballot in the, or at the same time as the statewide election. Oh, well, he's, um, he's going to do pretty well then. So he'll be, yeah, he should be, he should be in decent shape. And you also deal with a lot of the folks who just don't like recalls in the first place, right? They don't, why are you wasting my money? Elections are 
you know, are the accountability measure. So it, I think he will do well if he, yeah, like you said, if he can raise some money, get the get the message out, make sure people know what the state what what's at stake. And his race was close primarily because he was running against a well-financed and well-supported establishment Democrat, um, and most of her supporters would more likely sympathize with him in this kind of situation. So that'd be great. Um, if, it'd be great if the person he beat came out and was like, "No recall." If fuck. Susie came out and said no recall, I, Susie Loftus came out and said no recall, I think that would that would pretty much seal the deal for him um, and, and help him uh, beat it back. Uh, but it's still going to be work, and it's unfortunately it's work that draws away from the work he's trying to do as the DA, and that's and it draws. It's going to uh, cost a bunch of people a bunch of money that they shouldn't have to be spending um, right now, especially with all the other things on the ballot. So it's a shame in a lot of ways, but I think he will prevail. So we had a story about too many cats earlier and, uh, and another thing this week is going to be about too many fucking bears. I like how you're like, let's call it the bear area. Bear area. What? Let's bear down. And this isn't the kind of bears you find at the, the gay bars. This is uh, <laughs> lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. He's just hanging out. We're used to seeing wildlife, of course, here in the Bay area, but not quite like this. We're talking about bears. Yep, people in the North Bay are encountering bears, more of them, more often. NBC's Joe Rosado Jr. finds out why. The Bay Area is a region of nearly 8 million people. It's also home to plenty of critters. We have more run-ins with possums and raccoons and mountain lions. But in recent months... The poor guy seemed really scared. Another animal has made its presence known. <laughs> it's shelter in place. There's a bear in the area. Twice in the last six months, lone black bears have turned up separately in San Anselmo and Petaluma. And it could be a sign of bears to come. I never knew there were bears in Marin. Just uphill from Sonoma County's sprawling vineyards sits Sugarloaf Ridge State Park. We put a camera up out here. Park manager the, John Roney. Of the, the good Sonoma weapon I camped there this summer. Which runs the park and campground for Well, you're not state, dead. Says 40 cameras were installed here a few years ago to record the area's wildlife. They soon revealed a new animal making this area home. Black bears. And that's allowed us to see the bears in the park and confirm that they are here. The bears steer clear of humans, but the cameras have documented their return. In the past five years, we have had you know, hundreds of sightings on the cameras. As a result of the new visitors, the park is taking steps to keep the bears from getting a taste for human trash. Just like that. Well, we've uh, changed operations. We uh, empty all the trash cans at night. Uh, we've putting up some of our bear canisters. The goal is to keep the bears from becoming used to humans so they don't become a problem like in Tahoe, where bears routinely ransack cars and homes. Once the <laughs> gets situated to trash, it's very difficult to break them of it. The arrival of the bears a few years ago inspired the creation of the North Bay Bear Collaborative, a group of 16 wildlife agencies and landowners tasked with studying the bears and preparing for their return. At present, we don't have a good idea of what the bear numbers are in our area. And without that crucial bit of information, it's kind of hard to manage the population. Researcher Wendy Hayes of the Sonoma Ecology Center says the group is collecting DNA from bear scat to identify how many bears are in the North Bay. We did find last year, even though we got cut off early by fires and COVID, 33 individuals we could identify from scat. 
One theory of why bears are from to poop into the Bay Area is wildfires have claimed some of their habitat. So that may be pushing bears um, into places they haven't been historically. And then the bear population in California as a whole does seem to be increasing. That increase has state and local wildlife agencies looking at ways of keeping the bears wild while keeping the public informed. In my mind, it's a really great thing to see bears, which are very much a natural part of the ecosystem, uh, coming back Ooh. in and occupying again places that they'd been absent from. We haven't lived with bears in our area in a long time. The word bear for some people can inspire awe, for other people it inspires fear. A case of Both. nature making itself at mm -hmm. home. Depends on the situation. Eight million people. Joe Rosado Jr. Very, very impressive. Aww. NBC Bay Area News. Joe is with us now. Great story. Yeah, it inspires awe and fear. I liked how she said it best. How did the story develop? How'd you get on the story? Well, I, as in the story, you you, um, you know, I've been doing news here for almost 25 years. And back in May, when that bear showed up in San Anselmo, and I thought, man, I've never heard of bears around here. And then we had that incident in Petaluma just a few weeks ago. So I uh, you know, started doing some research, and that's how I it steered me to the North Bay Bear Collaborative. And I found out there's a whole group that's that's organized just to ta tackle the growing number of bears here and um, what that's going to mean for us. Yeah, but Joe, we've been around the Bay Area a long time, and, and I hadn't heard of the, all this until just right now. Um, <laughs> bears don't want trouble, right? Well, that's why we're here. Now, Joe, if bears turn up in your front yard, backyard, or maybe even your kitchen? Yeah, bears... Feed it. Uh, do not like being around humans. In fact, at the park, they said that um, they've only had four encounters where people actually saw them um, in person in the last few years. And once the bears see them, they just tear off. So they recommend making a bunch of noise, scaring them off. They want that to be part of uh, the, the strategy to keep them away from humans and not wanting to be around humans. All right, Joe Rosado Jr., nice story and continue to work on this because I'm guessing, like they were saying, it's more likely that the bear population is increasing uh, in the North Bay. We're back in a moment. Well, that's good. Or like they said, I mean, we're, the, the habitat shrinking because of all the wildfires created by humans uh, and also humans encroaching on their land, camping and living. Uh, so yeah, you're going to see more bears. But <laughs> um, good for the bears, though. Fuck it. Come get the trash. Yeah, and... um. <clears throat> As as you may not believe this, but it's probably more afraid of you than you are of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we saw that one uh, episode of Down Ballot where we had the, the the girl who saved saved her dog by punching the bear in the face and <laughs> knocking it off the fence and scaring it away. So, uh, yeah, even even little girls can can go out of bear and get him away. All right. But well. That's been Down Ballot. Everybody, thanks for tuning in this week. You can find me on Twitter. You can just find me there. Uh, you can find the councilman at the underscore councilman on Twitter, throwing bombs at people and uh, hopefully like uh, giving you an easement if you need one. Um, trying. If you're listening to the podcast, make sure you're following the podcast. This podcast has been growing a little bit according to our uh, the metrics that I now pay for. Um, <laughs> you can give us money at patreon.com slash echoplex and... Uh, and make sure you're following us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. This is Audible Smoke Signals. This is local. Live listeners hang out. We are doing local love right after this. And we have Matt Harrison of Periscope as our remote guest this week. So uh, everybody that likes that Boomer song, you get to fucking, I don't know, yell in the chat about how you like that Boomer song. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. And live listeners, hang tight. Peace out. <laughs> 